Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So I wanted to do something during this series of the Lord's Prayer because it's it's a prayer that we all say. A big understatement there, isn't it? But it's a prayer that, that, that's near and dear to, I think, all of us. We prayed it in difficult times in our lives. We prayed it in joyful times in our lives. We pray it communitively together as, as the body of Christ, maybe even in the stillness when we're alone. We, we say these words. That uh, last prayer was said in Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus would have spoken so long ago. The, the Lord's Prayer isn't in English. That, that's not how Jesus spoke. It's not even in, in Greek that is written down in the uh, New Testament. But Jesus spoke Aramaic. And I, and I wanted you to hear just, just the beautiful tones of that prayer. Uh, from, from this tour guide from, from the Holy Land. And, and just to, to, to hear how it may have sounded from the lips of our Savior, because I think that's important. It's important to know that this is a prayer that, that Jesus gave to us, his disciples. Those who claim the name of Jesus in their lives, and we continue to, to pass that on. To, to those that come beyond us. I know uh, right now I have my confirmands memorizing the, uh, the Ten Commandments. Right, Nina? Yeah, she's going, uh-huh, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that all of our confirmands know the Lord's Prayer, but we're, we're going to test that to make sure. And we're going to make sure that they know the Apostles' Creed, and we're going to make sure they know the Beatitudes, because those are important aspects of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. So as we prepare to move into this last portion of the Lord's Prayer series, would you please go to God in prayer with me? Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for these words. We thank you that when the disciples were gathered around you, they asked for a prayer. Not so that they can, can be boastful that Jesus taught us this prayer because they wanted to be like you. 
God, that's why we continue this prayer centuries later. Because we know that when we pray these words, we, we want to be like you. To have you guide us and lead us. To, to strengthen us. To give us daily those things that we need from you. So God, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So I invite you to hear one more time the full scripture from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we conclude our series with the last verse of this prayer. This is Matthew uh, verse six, chapter 6, verse 13. Jesus says, that's, we're not there yet. That's not it. Yeah. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Temptation and evil. Those are things we don't want to talk about too much. We, we want to pretend that, that that stuff doesn't really exist. As much as we can avoid temptation and as much as we can avoid the talk of evil, we feel like that we can then just move on with our life and there is absolutely nothing wrong. But, but if we look throughout the entire tome of Scripture. Temptation is a part of God's story for us. Temptation is, is a part, when we go all the way back to those wandering in the wilderness, when, when they were wandering around and they became thirsty, they, they started to grumble. And, and, and what Moses called out to God was like, God, these people, they're, they're, they're tempting me to do something that I know I shouldn't do. Help me, guide me so that I don't fall into temptation. We see temptation is something that Jesus had to deal with himself when he came to, to live here on earth. After his baptism, he was sent off to the wilderness for 40 days. Notice that parallel there between the, the Israelites wandering for 40 years and Jesus wandering for 40 days. And in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, he was tempted three times. And, and those three times that, that Jesus was tempted, it, it was to really attack three main parts of Jesus's life. First, it was a temptation of hunger. Jesus had been fasting that entire time, and, and, and the evil one comes to him and says, look, you could turn these stones into bread and you can be filled. And Jesus answers back that man does not live 
by bread alone, taking words of Scripture to answer what Satan was trying to do with him. And then Satan took him to a very high place by the temple and said, you know, all you have to do is just jump off of here, and you know that God will send angels to protect you. And Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He, he knew that the devil was trying to, to attack safety. And Jesus knew that he was already in his Father's hands. And then finally, he, he took Jesus on this high, high place that you can go and, and visit where they say this happens in the Holy Land. And they said, look, all of this, all of this that you see from, the, from, from here to, to beyond is, can be yours. All you have to do is bow down to me. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. All of it already belongs to me because it is my Father's. And then Satan left him. So, so Jesus is not saying that he wants us to be forced into temptation. He reminds us that temptation is just a part of life. Temptation is what each and every one of us must go through. And I love this reminder from Hebrews chapter 4, where the writer says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. See, Jesus, to use a term that we used in high school long, long time ago. He's been there and done that. He, he had all of this happen to him, and I think it is to remind us that we, too, can make our way through temptation, and we, too, do not have to succumb to the evil that is in this world. You know, it's so easy to, to take evil and, and, and to place it as something that is, that is out there, that is something that we don't have to deal with. There, there, there are three ways that, that we kind of do this with evil. First, it's that avoidance. We, we take and look at evil and we put our head proverbially in the sand and we say, well, it doesn't exist. It, it's, it doesn't really matter. N.T. Wright writes in one of his books that it is about as much as saying when the house is on fire that, yes, it's getting a little warm, but if we just take off a layer of clothes and if we drink more ice water, things will be just fine. But that's not how we deal with evil, is it? We just don't say, well, you know, we can just ignore it, and it, it'll just go away. I think we've seen time and time again, even here in the year of 2020, that when we try to ignore evil, it just comes back even stronger. But we shouldn't wallow in evil and see it all over the place. And what I mean by that is that we should, just shouldn't surrender to the evil that's around us and, and, and start to say, well, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, if I'm going to make myself even safer because I am just going to just do what they're doing and I won't have to worry about it. 
And then finally, we shouldn't be self-righteous with evil, saying that we are the righteous ones and, and we can hop onto you know, the white horse and, and ride in and conquer that. Because, my friends, we can't conquer evil. Jesus is the one who has conquered evil. Jesus is the one who has, who has set us free, who has, who has released the captives. And Jesus wants us to recognize not only the reality of evil, but the reality of his victory over it. When we pray, deliver us from evil or from the evil one, it is to fully inhale the victory of the cross. It is to fully inhale the fact that Jesus came and died so that we may be set free. So when we pray, lead us not in temptation, what is it that we are saying? We are praying and we are stating and trusting that Jesus will be the guides of our lives, that, that, that Jesus will help guide us through the, these difficult times that, that we face. It reminds me when I was in seminary, I had the opportunity to go to a trip to a place called Taizé, France. And it was, it was for uh, seminary credit. I had to write a paper when I got back. And, and if you participated in uh, one of our Good Friday services where we did the Taizé Good Friday service, that's a service that I put together as a part of that project. That, that, that meant so much to me. But it almost turned into a disaster. And what I mean by that is that when, when we got to the airport, our, our, our leader, Dr. Hahn, he was already in France, and he told us seminarians to, to gather together at the airport and then take this one-way uh, nonstop flight from Dallas all the way to, to Paris, France. So we're like, okay, cool. So we, we hop in. There's about like 15 of us that are on this trip. And, and when we get there, we notice that the entire uh, waiting area was just cram-packed full of people. An announcement comes over the, uh, the, the intercom saying that the flight is overbooked and, and we are going to give you like $1,000 in American Airlines credit. We'll put you up in a hotel here on, on, D, on the DFW uh, complex. We'll, we'll, we'll pay for your food while you're here. And me and a couple of other seminarians were going, man, that sounds great. Because I could think, you know, I could take my family on a trip, use that money to buy some more airline tickets. I'll be in France tomorrow. I won't really miss out that much. So we go and we put our name in on this list. And fortunately for us, they filled, they, they had enough places for us to go and sit on the plane. So we, we went out when the entire group was supposed to get out. When we got to France, we were just talking about how clever we were trying to be with Dr. Hahn, and he turned seven, eight, 20 different shades of red, saying, boy, if you would have done that, you would have been 
I'm not going to say the word that he said. And once we started to move around the country, I realized, oh boy, I would have been in trouble. But see, I was planning on doing my own thing. The, the leader of the trip, he planned everything out for us so that we wouldn't, what? Fall into temptation. Fall into the trap that, that we are our own gods and that what we think matters a whole lot more than the person who set up the trip for us. My friends, that's what we do when we, when we give face, language, or face value to, to this prayer, lead us not in temptation, and we go, okay, but you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do what, what Chris wants to do. Even though I know God is telling me a way to avoid this temptation, I think I know better. See, when we pray, lead us not a temptation, we are requesting God for help in avoiding self-destructive tendencies. John Calvin wrote, being conscious of our own weakness, we ask to be defended by God's protection, that we may have an impregnable position against all the vices of Satan. See, just like praying for daily bread and, and, and just like praying for the ability to forgive daily, it is a daily prayer that we ask to not be led into temptation. And my friends, I think temptation is even more available for us today than it has in the past. When we take a look at how readily we can be swayed one way or the other. When we take a look at how we are so easily, just like the Israelites when they turned away from God and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Just like Peter, when Jesus asked him and the other disciples to stay awake for just one more hour so you don't fall into temptation. Just like us, we must request and ask God to help us avoid those things that can destroy us. So our spiritual practice for this week, I invite you to make the Lord's Prayer, your prayer every day, especially listening to this petition to lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Make that a regular prayer so, so that in your mind you know that you are saying, God, I know I can't do it on my own. <laughs> I, there's no way in the world I can do this life on my own, but I need you to guide me then take time to know yourself. How do you react in difficult situations when you hear things that you disagree with, when you get tweaked by that Facebook post or what you hear on TV? 
How, how do you react to those things? Do you, do you automatically just fly off the handle? Thinking, how dare they say that because I know that it is this way. But to say, God, I'd give it to you. Help me to, to move and act as your disciple. And then take time to recognize what it is that tempts you. Is it food? Is it lust? Is it the need for power? And just like Jesus did when he was tempted by the evil one in the wilderness, get familiar with Scripture so that you can then recount those ideas with God's Word. To, to allow God's Word to help you move through those times of temptation. And then finally, and I think the most important way is just to get support. One of the things that John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, that he was, he was famous for, and unfortunately the United Methodist Church has, has fallen away from this, is the practice of, of banding. And what I mean by this is just getting two or three people together to, to band together, to, to support each other, to, to love one another. I, I posted on our Facebook, our, our, this will be posted on our Facebook group, and there is a link called discipleshipbands.com that I invite you to go and take a look at. I think we may even have some cards around the sanctuary unless we picked them all the way up and we took them out because of, of, of all the COVID stuff. But, but grab a hold of this and, and think about two or three people that you can become in a relationship with to help hold you accountable. Part of this discipleship process is asking, how is it with your soul? I tell you, I have, I have two bands that I participate in that I think I've shared with you. One, just a couple of other la laity that I knew from the church previously and that's in the area, and then a couple of clergy that, that we talk, and, and it, it just does my heart so good just to let them know what is going on with my soul. And then when you can go deeper, you can... Ask the question, what sins are you dealing with? And I know that that's something that when you go, I'm not going to share that with anybody else. But when you don't share that with somebody that you trust, it allows a foothold to come in. It allows an opportunity for the evil one to mess you up. Or just make you so apathetic that anything and everything can just blow by you and you fail to think about your neighbor. Both are disastrous. And I think both are ways that the evil one comes and rips us apart from our Savior. But hear the good news. Wasn't really going to talk about this, but I have to say that, especially when I say that. God is always there with open arms, ready to receive you. Doesn't matter what kind of evil or, or what kind of thing that you have had going on in your life, God is always there with his arms outstretched. And not only is his arms outstretched, he is running towards you, saying, My beloved child, my beloved son, my beloved daughter,
I am here for you. Place your trust in me. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for this prayer. We thank you that it that continues to guide us and to shape us and to lead us. So as your faithful disciples, help us to, to pray this prayer daily. Not so it becomes just this empty repetition in our lives, but it is saying, God, when I pray this prayer, I want to be your disciple. Sustain it with your daily bread. Give me the strength to forgive those. And God, let me ask forgiveness for what I've done wrong. But God, guide me from temptation. And do not let the evil one grab a hold in my life. Help me to fully live in your unshakable kingdom. Because we know that your kingdom is never in trouble. And neither are we. And we pray this. In the name of the one who loves and cares for us, Jesus our Lord. Amen. So I'm going to invite the praise team to come forward. And as they come forward, I'm going to kind of do uh, uh, the rest of the story here about the Lord's Prayer. You've noticed I said that this is the last, uh, the last sermon in this series. And you may be going, well, Pastor Chris, you're missing a part of the Lord's Prayer. What about that whole, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory? Amen. Well, that's really, if we were to take a look at the original transcripts of, of Matthew and of Luke, the, the really best manuscripts, uh, scholars say that's not in there. But, but what that is, it's, it's what's called a doxology. And a doxology, a doxology is a liturgical formulation of praise to God. And the best way I have it here uh, for us to look at of one of those is from First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. And we can pull that up so we can take a look at that real quick. The next one. Yeah, it says, Yours, Lord, see, see, see if you hear this in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Do, do, do you hear that last part of the Lord's Prayer there? Thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory. See, they think that, that this really wasn't the end of the Lord's Prayer, the, the lead us into temptation and deliver us from evil, but they're saying that most likely Jesus went into some form of doxology. It just wasn't written down. But I think it's important that they put this in here because, again, it reminds us of what it's all about. It's all about God's kingdom not our kingdom. It's all about God's power, not our power. It's all about God's glory, not our glory. 
We don't, we don't try to bring that to ourselves. We try to, to, to bestow that to the one who deserves to have it bestowed upon. I love this final quote from William Temple. When we talk about prayer and the uh, coincidences of prayer, he said these words, When I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. My friends, that is the power of God working in our lives.